Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Christy and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, September 4th. Today we are reading from the fourth edition of the big book and we are on page 19, very first paragraph on the page. Today's readers are Paula, Marsha, Eddie, and Deb. The reference number for Monday, September 3rd, is 2952. The OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeaters from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Hoodie to read the 12 steps. Hi, Christy. Good morning. This is Hoodie, Compulsive Overeater. There's 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to other compulsive readers and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Pass. Thank you, Woody. I will now call on Rosanna to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, good morning. Rosanna here, Compulsive Overeaters, 12 Traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, 
The only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group or never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you, Rosanna. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 19 and we're in the first paragraph. I will ask Paula to begin reading. And Paula, it's the paragraph that starts with none of us. This is Paula Recovered Compulsive Overeater. None of us makes a sole vocation of this work, nor do we think its effectiveness would be increased if we did. We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning. A much more important demonstration of our principle lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. All of us spend much of our spare time in the sort of effort which we are going to describe. A few are fortunate enough to be so situated that they can give nearly all their time to the work. I would like to share on this paragraph. This is a paragraph that you can live by. And it's so clear here. We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning, but what a beginning, truly. But it is a beginning. And that's the act of... Uh, the commencement of living a different life. But you know, with a beginning comes an ending. It was an ending to my old life. They said we were reborn here. And then, but it clearly states a much more important, now this is important, 
they're not under, underestimating that. A much more important demonstration, that's a showing. That's not just a talking girl. Of our principles lies before us and are now. It doesn't say, by the way, in the rooms, in the halls. No. In our respective homes, occupations, interferes. It's who you are. And then it says, all, oh, I'm a loving this. All of us spend much of our spare time in a sort of effort which we are going to describe. I'm going to end there. It says with the word to describe. You know, it's like when you, you get a, uh, I love this because I am not very good at putting things together. Actually, I'm pretty bad at it. And so then it will describe it in words. But then oftentimes it'll show you pictures. Give me a picture. Put it together. A goes with B. B goes with C. Now, you may say, well, gee, you have to know that that much to get it together. Had to know that much to get it together. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. This is Victoria. Victoria, go ahead. This is Janet. Victoria and then Janet. Victoria. This is Victoria, recovered compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. I'm especially impressed by the passage about demonstrating these principles in our respective homes and occupations because in my home and in my occupation, I encounter many people. I inevitably am required to maintain positive relationships. And this was something I could not do in the illness. Um, and I didn't think I had a problem maintaining relationships. I didn't think any of the problems that I experienced in relationship were mine. I truly believed that those problems were the result of other people's attitudes and behaviors. The doctor's opinion told me that the sensation produced by alcohol was so elusive that after a time, I would be unable to differentiate the true from the false. And this was especially relevant regard to how I behaved in all my affairs. I could not and would not see that this illness engulfed the people around me, that it created havoc and harm that emanated directly from this illness. I knew that food was not a controlled substance. I could believe alcohol caused a lot of damage, but I could not see the damage that emanated from me. It's been said that this is a disease of perception. And the big book tells me that when I cannot differentiate the true from the false, I have a disease of perception. And it made it almost impossible for me to see myself and the impact I had on others 
in my homes, in my, in my home, in my occupation, in my friendships, in all relationships in my life. I could not and would not see this damage until the 12 steps allowed me the clarity the disease took away. Then I became able to begin to start demonstrating our principles in all, all areas of my life. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, I'm, I, this paragraph comes after we have just been introduced to this idea about who and what we are and what we're up against and how we help each other and how we help each other. You know, we're just talking about here in the big book about the ex-problem drinker who is carrying this message, who is properly armed with the facts about himself. And it is that person that can win over the entire confidence of another alcoholic in a few hours. And we're talking about who this person is. You know, this person who is carrying the message has had the same difficulty as me. This person who is carrying the message obviously knows what he's talking about. And he has come out of a place where I was stuck and had no solution. So the big book's telling us that no one, there are no full-time OA workers. There are no full-time OA workers carrying the message. You know, perhaps among us, there are those who have more time in their schedules because of how their life is put together where they can do a bit more work than some of the rest of us, but we all carry the message and we all do it in the same way. We feel that the elimination of our drinking is but a beginning and we are testimony to that. I had to put the food down before anything else could happen. I had to put the food down. It had to be safe. It had to be in a way that I could then embrace the working of the 12 steps as if my life depended on it because it did. But then how am I living my life after that? A much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. And when that is true for me, you know, all the time and all the effort that they're going to explain to us, that they're going to show to us of how we carry the message happens in all of our affairs. It happens when we're living a life based on spiritual principles, I believe. You know, that in my home with those folks that I love the most, that's where I'm going to be demonstrating how I've been transformed. That's where I'm going to be showing people in my job that I am someone who has had a spiritual awakening, a spiritual experience. And hopefully they see that because of the way my life has been transformed. You know, and what a beautiful thing that is. But I'm not going to do it just in a meeting. I'm not going to do it just on the line. I'm not going to do it just at an OA retreat or an OA affair. I am going to do it in all areas of my life. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? 
press star one to unmute. Good morning, Ms. Good morning. Leah, go ahead, and then I heard someone else, but I didn't catch the name. Okay, I'll be in. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Thank you. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered people We feel that elimination of our drinking is but a beginning, a much more important demonstration of our principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. Um, yes, you know, AA grew by leaps and bounds because... It's true, men and women, you know, were getting sober and staying sober. That was happening. Men and women who, uh, you know, seemed to be hopeless were now uh, recovered. Um, their families were reunited. They were contributing on their jobs. They were being responsible. And they were practicing their these principles in all their affairs. You know, it was much more than elimination, mere elimination of alcohol, although obviously that is a necessity because you can be, you know, sober without being recovered, but you can't be recovered without being sober. Yes, they eliminated their alcohol, but there's much more work ahead. You know, there's much more work ahead. I mean, you and I basically love each other, and we're together every morning, you know, for an hour on the phone. But the real question is, after we hang up the phone, you know, how am I speaking to my husband? How am I behaving the other 23 hours of the day? You know, am I comforting my children? Am I there for my family? Am I contributing to my community? You know, am I holding up my obligations? Am I there when I make a commitment? Am I responsible? Am I bringing love and comfort and harmony and forgiveness and compassion and understanding to those around me? Um, because this is a program of attraction. It is not a program of promotion. And, you know, for those of us that are compulsive overeaters, mere elimination of binge foods is absolutely not enough because, you know, we've got to be comfortable. You know, the only way we can stay stopped is to get comfortable being stopped. This isn't about stopping drinking for the alcoholic. This is about staying stopped. How do you apply the process of recovery to your life? How do you live by these principles? We've got to get to a place. The alcoholics had to get to a place where they were comfortable sober. They got to be relieved of the obsession and the compulsion for alcohol. And as long as they had the beast whispering in their ear, they're not going to be comfortable sober. It's the same thing with us. The way we get comfortable, the way I get comfortable is by being in harmony. And that's the exact uh, result of these steps. These steps put me back in harmony with myself, with others, and with God. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And then was there someone else who wanted to share on what was read? Well, I'm Christy. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I'll jump in and, you know, give folks another opportunity here. Um, you know, I am uh, grateful that I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and, you know, what does that mean? And what it means is what it says in this, in this paragraph, that the demonstration of principles lies before us in our respective homes, occupations, and affairs. So, you know, even though I've been at a doctor-prescribed maintenance weight for nine and a half years, you know, if I continue behaving the way I uh, behaved before recovery, you know, sullen, moody, disrespectful, impatient, um, 
you know, I, uh, no one's going to say, well, you know, that's okay, Christy's thin. You know, it's okay that Christy treats us that way. She's thin. Not only that, but I am in danger, in serious danger. If I keep doing what I've always done, I'm going to keep getting what I always got. And for me, I'm going to be right back in the food. I'm going to be right back in the food. So that transformation has to play out in every aspect of my life, you know, and I, um, you know, I have, I have proof that that's happened. I have proof that that's happened, not only from the inside, because I, you know, I've got a different barometer today. I actually have a barometer. How am I treating people? How am I treating people today? But I have, you know, I've got a, a performance review from my boss and what she says is, you know, and I've got it here, you know, Christy worked tirelessly. Her work was complete, accurate, and thorough. She has an outstanding, she's outstanding in her ability to exercise patience, listen, and guide. As a result, she has developed strong working relationships. Christy's performance this year was superior, the highest rating you can get. And from a coworker, Thank you for being patient and, and helping me and being helpful this year. I came into your project in the middle, but you made me feel welcome and not too stupid. And from my stepson, a Mother's Day card. Thank you for unconditionally accepting me and being loving of me. I always feel better when you're around and you help me see the good in me. Or my birthday card. I can't imagine where I'd be without you. Thanks for all the love, support, and love and support this past year. I'm a better person because of you and honored to call you family. That is the transformation. None of those people are saying, you know, Christy is a raging maniac. She's crazy to be around. I can't stand her, but she's thin. She looks great. She can wear a belt and tuck shirts in now. Nobody cares about that. What people care about and what I care about, most important, what I care about is how I am in the world and how I treat people in the world. And with that, I pass. Is there anyone else who'd like to share on what was read? Yes, thank you, Christy. This is Sonia. I'm a compulsive overeater in Minneapolis. And, um, you know, this paragraph speaks to me this morning just from a couple of points. You know, first of all, that I only have so much discretionary time. And I need to think about, um, you know, where that time goes. And it's really crucial for me to remember that I have a, an illness that, um, of course, you know, everyone does not have, but um, very, very few people find recovery. And that um, when I think about that discretionary time that I have and the fact that my life has been given to me from this program, um, it it really makes me step back and go, you know what, I'm uniquely qualified, as has already been shared on this call, I'm uniquely qualified to help people that do have this illness. And because of that, in thinking about where my time needs to go beyond my responsibilities with my family and my work um, and my community, um, I need to remember that um, there are so few who find recovery, and I am so blessed to have found recovery. And um, I need to immerse myself all that I can into giving it to those who not only identify that they need it, um, but also want it. The other thing that struck me about this is the practicing the principles in all of my affairs piece and just um, that I, someone shared with me along the way in a big book study that um, if, if, I, if I find that I am not practicing the principles in all of my affairs, um, I need to look at 
a number of things, including my inventory and my character defects, but also um, do I have too many affairs? Um, and that certainly was a compulsion of mine also in, in getting abstinent in this program, finding that um, I ran away from myself um, into a lot of things um, that were outside of humility, you know, outside of taking responsibility for my actions and my attitudes, which is really the boundary of, of where humility ends, is right at the end of my actions and my attitudes. Um, you know, and I was involved in a lot of things out of um, really escape, um, out of ego, and so I, I really need to look at my affairs. You know, and am I practicing the principles in all of my affairs? If I'm not, am I overstretched on um, the number of affairs that I am involved in? And I'm grateful that this program helped me to get that in line and to keep reevaluating that by by putting boundaries around not only my food, um, but looking at the uh, the time that I do have. Thank you. Thank you, Sonia. Let's move on to the next paragraph. Marsha, will you please read the next paragraph? Certainly. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Marcia. I'm a compulsive overeater, recovered today. Thank you to my higher power. If we keep on the way we are going, there is little doubt that much good will result. But the surface of the problem would hardly be scratched. Those of us who live in large cities are overcome by the reflection that close by, hundreds are dropping into oblivion every day. Many could recover if they had the opportunity we have enjoyed. How then shall we present that which has been so freely given us? I'll stop there. Um, uh, but the surface of the problem will hardly be scratched. Uh, no doubt uh, they saw, uh, recovered alcoholics saw other alcoholics, uh, could easily be observe them and really want to be there to help them. They are acutely aware of the prevalence of alcoholism as we are acutely aware of the problem of compulsive overeating. And we easily can spot, or usually spot someone who has a problem with food. I, I certainly, um, if their problem is as acute as mine was, um, I can see it, we wear our disease, and, um, and they haven't found the solution. And it's sadly so many people uh, grow sicker and sicker in our disease and fall into oblivion. And uh, I've seen people in the rooms of OA who um, are, are walking in, or, or have, have to walk in wheelchairs and are, are um, it's just, a, it's not a judgment, it's just certainly an observation and, and uh, it's, I want to be there and that's my role, that's what it asks, how shall we present that which has been so freely given us and what's been so freely given me by this program and my sponsor and my higher power and the steps uh, has been a tremendous weight loss for which I am eternally grateful and humble. And the best way that I can present myself is to stay abstinent, work the steps, stay in fit spiritual condition with my higher power and be ready when they ask me how I lost the weight and how my attitude and outlook changed the better and how I've transformed my life and it's not just inside the rooms of OA there are people at work who have asked me what have you done how have you done this I, I really need to lose weight and uh, or I really need to stop doing what I'm doing and I mean the OA pledge is 
always to extend the hand and heart of OA for this I am responsible. When they ask, I have to tell them, and I have been asked, how have you done this? And I have answered, Overeaters Anonymous. And some say, oh, I've heard of that. And some say, oh, I've not heard of that. Is that like AA? And I say, yes, somewhat. It's a 12-step program. And, uh, but that, that's, the, that's what I have to do. That is what I need to do. There is a solution, and many could recover if they had the opportunity. And if somebody has the opportunity, it's my responsibility to stay abstinent and be that voice, be that hand that can maybe give them, give them a way in to the solution. We, I tell them I'm a part of a fellowship that is indescribably wonderful, and it is. And what I've gotten from this is indescribably wonderful. And if they see it, and they have, they do see it, the way, I, the way I behave at work, the way I behave with my family, I get questions everywhere. How did you do it? And I tell them. And it's, many of them are, are okay, you know, hey, that sounds great. And, but there are easier, softer ways, quote, unquote, there's pills, there are diet clubs, there's surgery. I mean, many are looking for that easier, softer way. And, and I kind of nod and go, yeah, I understand. I understand what that feels like. I understand wanting to, wanting to try that approach. So, you know, if you, need, if you have any more questions, just let me know. Um, this worked for me. So, you know, I, I know it, it can work for others. If, if you ever want a hand, you know, I'll, I'll help you out as best I can. And uh, that's, uh, that's a miracle. That is an absolute miracle. And I am grateful and humble every single day that I can stand here and say I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Press star one to unmute. This is Katie. Katie, go ahead. Hi, I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater. Um, if we keep on the way we are going, there's little doubt that much good will result, but the surface of the problem would hardly be scratched. And for me, I know that um, <clears throat> there's times when I just want to run up to people and say, why are you eating like that? Why are you doing that? But, of course, that's not the approach we take. Um, and the fact is, I share my recovery and I work my program every day so that I will stay in recovery. Um, I'd love to say that I just do it purely out of the goodness of my heart because I care so much about other people. But that really isn't, that really isn't um, the truth because if I could get away with having worked this program for the 10 months that it took me to lose 70 pounds 24 years ago, you would not hear me on this phone. I would not be I would not be here. I would be, you know, living my life. I would be cured. But I'm not, not I'm not cured. I'm recovered. And the way I stay recovered is that I practice these principles in all my affairs. And that means that I don't overeat when I go out to a restaurant and therefore there's people that see that I eat different. 
And there are people um, at my workplace who see that I eat different and that I, you know, my weight does not change from one year to the next. Um, Where I live and have gone to church and worked and been in this community for the last 18 years, they have not seen my weight change by more than three pounds up one way or down the other way. And I have people come up to me and say, I see that you, you know, you are different. But, you know, the fact is we can't, um, we can't shove this down people's throats. And if I was too ashamed and hid in my house and never, ever showed people what I do, then uh, <clears throat> they, would, um, they would never know what I've done. But I am always willing to share this program with people, and it is an overwhelming task in our um, culture in this country because there are so many people who are obese. But it doesn't mean that they have the mental obsession. It doesn't mean that they're a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety, which is what I was. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? All right, we can move on to the next paragraph. Eddie, would you please read the next paragraph? Good morning, this is Eddie, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Virginia. We have concluded to publish an anonymous volume setting forth the problem as we see it. We shall bring to the task our combined experience and knowledge. This should suggest a useful program for anyone concerned with a drinking problem. Of necessity, there will be there will have to be discussion of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. We are aware that these matters are, from their very nature, controversial. Nothing would please us so much as to write a book which, w which would contain no basis for contention or argument. We shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and the respect for their opinions are attitudes which make us more useful to others. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help, most, how we may help meet their needs. Uh, this sort of goes together with the uh, paragraph that we just read. Um, you know, uh, they've made this decision to publish a volume of um, their experiences. Um, and of course, you know, what sets this apart from, you know, the plethora of other self-help books that are out there, of course, probably in 1939, there were not that many self-help books that are out there. But today, certainly, you could go into any bookstore and, and, you know, just find an entire section of, you know, how to do this and how to do this and, you know, how to be the best person you can be and how to be the best parent. I mean, and there's, you know, the list goes on and on and on. But um, to to really make this decision back then uh, was, was groundbreaking. Um, you know, the, these people didn't have, most of them didn't have any money. Uh, most of them had been out of jobs for years due to their, you know, their problem with alcohol. And, uh, you know, it was, uh, not some, it was not something that, um, you know, you, you did back then. It was just people just kind of thought that they could pick themselves up by their bootstraps and go on. So this was really monumental on their part. And uh, thank God they took that 
step because where would I be today? Where would we all be today um, here of us here on the line without this without this book, without the opportunity to, uh, you know, as uh, Leah says in the beginning, crack open this book every morning. Um, for that, I am extremely grateful because, uh, you know, I, I always, I, I've often said to people, I think I would be dead. If I hadn't found this program um, almost seven years ago, I think I'd be dead today, uh, you know. So for that, I am, I am just so grateful. And, uh, you know, uh, somebody once told me that I might be the only copy of a big book that somebody sees today. And so, you know, I keep that in mind when I try to, and I try to, when I meet other people um, that, you know, ask me about, you know, what I've done or notice the way I eat or that I weigh and measure in restaurants or, you know, whatever. And, um, you know, I try to keep that in mind that, you know, my tolerance of their condition is very important if they are going to look at me and either say to themselves, well, this is interesting and maybe I should look into this. Or, you know, this is just another person uh, who uh, is not tolerant of, you know, and, and, and very uncaring of, uh, you know, what it is that I am going through. You know, because I think that people, I know that um, I have been guilty of that myself, uh, you know, like you look at and you judge them by what you see on the outside instead of trying to find out what's going on in the inside. So I try through this program now um, to not do that anymore. I try not to do that snap judgment when somebody comes up to me um, and asks me about my program and maybe is not um, convinced and maybe is a, their attitude is a little, yeah, come on, this can't be real. Uh, you know, and I try, to, I try not to make that snap judgment, but that they are in pain, as I was in pain when I came into these rooms, and that perhaps a little tolerance and judgment on my part will help them to find what I have found, what I have been so generously and freely given. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Hi, this is Linda. May I share? Absolutely. Go ahead, Linda. Uh, we shall do our utmost to achieve that ideal. Most of us sense that real tolerance of other people's shortcomings and viewpoints and a respect for their opinion and attitudes, which makes us more useful to others. Whenever I open this book, whatever paragraph I read, I'm automatically included. I automatically belong. It doesn't matter what mood I'm in. It doesn't matter if I'm coming in unsure of how I'm doing in my program. It doesn't matter if I'm angry. I belong in this program. I feel like I belong. The doors are open. That's a rare feeling for me. You know, I'm, I'm relatively new to this program. I'm, I'm working the steps with my sponsor. And every time I open this book, the answers are there. I'm calm. I belong somewhere. So I, I really appreciate that. And this, this 164 pages is just a gift from God. So I just thank you, I pass. Thank you, Linda. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? It's Monica. Monica, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was just looking here at this, you know, what we've been reading here, these few paragraphs uh, today and um, the other day, and I'm looking up at the top of the book here, and it's the title of, of our chapter is, There is a Solution. And it's interesting here that what are we what are we hearing here over and over in these little paragraphs before we've actually come to the part of the book of this chapter that says there is a solution we are seeing over and over again they're saying what 
you got to give it away to keep it. And so here they are back in the 1930s, and they're looking around and they're seeing hundreds are dropping into oblivion, you know, unconsciousness, unawareness every day. Well, here we are in 2012, and we are looking around and we are saying thousands, maybe even millions, who are dropping into oblivion of compulsive overeating. And they go on, well, many could recover if they had the opportunity, and how, how is that going to happen? So we, and that's those first 100 recovered, concluded to publish an anonymous volume setting forth the problem as we see it. So they're going to, in this book, this is what they are doing. We shall bring to the task our combined experience and knowledge. You know, experience. They've gone through the process from the beginning to the end, and they know the outcome. They have a lot of experience here and knowledge about this. And this is what they're putting into this book for us. And they're saying we're going to suggest a useful program for anyone concerned with a drinking problem. And we always love the word suggest, you know, that they use here because, uh, we as uh, compulsive overeaters definitely don't want to be told what to do. But it's also suggested you use a parachute if you're going to jump out of a plane. So I just, you know, it's interesting here we're reading part of the solution is giving it away, is sharing it. You know, there's so many out there who are suffering, and each and every one of us has a responsibility to share our experience, our strength, and our hope with those who are still suffering. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Well, it started with we have concluded. So they came to a conclusion to publish an anonymous volume setting forth the problem as we see it. And then it said clearly, we shall bring to the task. And what is a task? That's work to be done. See, this book is not just a beginning of life. This is a continuation. And that's it. And what do you bring to this task? Our combined, mine and yours. Oh, may I add that? We? Yeah, experience and knowledge. And then I love the way, and I'm just going to end there. This should suggest a useful program, a program you can use. I don't know about you, but let me tell you how many programs I started, how many books I have. Could they fill a bookcase? A rather large one, may I add here. A useful program for anyone. Yeah, I'm an anyone. Concerned with a drinking problem. Thank you for allowing me to share with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. I'm Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, you know, it says here in the, that second paragraph that we read that um, of necessity there will have to be discussion of matters medical, psychiatric, social, and religious. And, you know, what that reminds me of is that I'm exposed to people every day who have, you know, either tried or, or, or are applying, you know, behavior modification or gastric bypass, some sort of weight loss surgery or, you know, perhaps some type of group, you know, a group setting trying to lose weight, for example, in a group setting or trying to pray the disease away. And for me, I have no opinion on whether or not those, those um, attempts or those, um, 
you know, solutions that someone else is looking at will work for them. I have no idea whether what someone else does in an attempt to get recovery will work for them. What I know is about my own experience. I just know about my own experience. And that's all I have. You know, I don't know if those other things will work. I have no idea. I have no idea how anyone else will find the path to freedom to find the path to freedom. What I know is that for someone like me, for someone like me, this is what's worked. All of the problem that was outlined in you know, the first part of the big book that we read in the doctor's opinion and the solution that's being outlined for us now. You know, How is it that I'm someone who has recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body by doing the work that I'm doing, putting the food down, to address the physical allergy, my physical abnormal reaction to food, and then dealing with the greater aspect of my disease, which is the mental obsession. And that happens by working the steps, by working the steps. And so, you know, I mean, I've got people in my family who are suffering horrible, horrible consequences as a result of morbid obesity. And all I can do, you know, I made one attempt. I made one attempt at an intervention at saying, you know, you've seen what has happened for me, and if you're like me, this is what's worked for me. I'm concerned about your health. I've made one attempt. You know, my family has seen me doing this day in, day out, you know, um, you know for over 10 years. And... Um, you know, they ask me about it all the time. Are you still doing that? Um, you know, family members who don't see me. Yes, I'm still doing that. Or people at work, you know, how do you eat so healthy? You're such a healthy eater. You have such willpower. And I can share with them, like others have described, that I really don't. I don't have willpower. If I ate one of those, I'd be off and running and I'd eat all of those. So, uh, you know, I'm just really grateful that the big book teaches me that, you know, my... Um, my life depends on the constant thought of others and how I can help meet their needs, that I can go out into the world and I can be of service and I can share my, my program of, attract, of attraction um, with other people, either when they ask or, you know, um, just to share a little bit about who I am, who I am. I'm a compulsive overeater and this is what I'm up against and this is what I do and this is why I do it. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to share on what was read before we move on? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. We have concluded to publish an anonymous volume setting forth the problem as we see it. You know, here we have an anonymous volume, an anonymous volume. You know, what a great protection that was from their own egos, from other people looking at it from the outside and saying, oh, yeah, that's so-and-so's story and probably doesn't apply to me. You know, there was already some safety set up by this volume being anonymous, but it was those first 100 people who had recovered, who had recovered, who put together this book together collectively using their experience, strength, and hope because they knew they wanted to reach a much wider group of people than they were able to one-on-one-on-one. On one on one. And so they put together this volume, this volume that had clear-cut directions on how to do this thing, but also their own personal experience with how it had worked for them. You know, thank you, God, that they put that out there. And 
there was going to be some controversial information here. People who might not believe the doctor's opinion, people who might not believe that a spiritual way of living was going to be a most powerful restorative. But we put it out there, and we tried to put it out there in a way that we could then be demonstrations of how that worked. Because when, when we are cooperative, when we are in harmony, when I, when I live this program on a daily basis, when I have a real tolerance and a real desire, a heartfelt desire to live in harmony in this world, well, then people are going to have an opportunity to say, how does she do that? How does she do that? How does she weigh and measure her food? How does she keep on doing this thing one day at a time and live in harmony despite all the things, despite her personal experiences? despite the ups and downs of life. You know, how, how does she live with an attitude of trying to be useful and helpful? Because I know my life, my life as an ex-problem compulsive overeater depends on my constant thought of others, of getting out of myself. It relieves me of my selfishness and my self-centeredness. It takes me to a place called recovery. It takes me to a place where I am in conscious contact with my higher power because I cannot do this by myself. I cannot do this by myself. But when I'm in that place, when I'm in that place, then I can be, then the traction, not promotion happens. Then I'm not going around saying, you, you, you ought to do this. My actions speak louder than my words could ever speak, but it allows me to be approachable. It allows people to come up to me and have a private conversation if they have questions. You know, it's a beautiful thing. And the big book lays this out very clearly, how we make ourselves most helpful and useful in the world. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? Yeah, hello, this is Penny from Massachusetts. May I share? Sure, Penny, go ahead. This is Penny. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater and very grateful to be a member of this fellowship. Um, That last sentence really is powerful for me. Our very lives depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Our very lives, that's, that's a very strong a sentence for me, um, you know, I I was one who was, before I started working in the 12 steps, was the queen of self-pity. I, oh, I knew I had every reason in the world to feel sorry for myself, and I attempted to get everybody around me to agree with me and feel sorry for me, and I found that the only way out of that was to turn my thoughts to others and to try to anticipate their needs and follow through with it. And this is reminding me also of when we come to step 11, and it says on page 87, we conclude our our period of meditation with the prayer. And it says very clearly, we ask for ourselves only if it will help others. We are careful never to pray for our own selfish ends. 
and and that's that's how my life has to be. I know that if my one of my first thoughts on awakening is how can I help others and who God needs my help most today. Please show me who it is I can help. But I know I'm going to have a good day when that thought comes to me on awakening. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Penny. Anyone else? This is Leah. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. Uh, How then shall we present that which has been so freely given to us? We've concluded to publish an anonymous volume setting forth the problem as we see it. We shall bring to the task our combined experience and knowledge. Yes, this was, you know, penned by those who had recovered. This is the collective voice, the collective experience, the collective wisdom of those who blazed this trail. You know, the big book is essentially written as a 12-step call. You know, thank God they came to the conclusion that this was the way to carry the message. They had some other ideas, you know. Hospitals were an idea, you know. Uh, Sending out missionaries, that was an idea. And also publishing a volume, you know, publishing this anonymous volume, setting forth the problem as we see it. So essentially it's a 12-step call, and that's the way it is written. You know, from the very beginning of its pages, uh, through the first 164, it is written like a 12-step call. You know, it's exactly what we do. And it is not an intellectual journey. You know, these men and women had a spiritual conversion. They had a transformation. And it goes beyond the intellect. It goes beyond the thinking mind, beyond the ego. They had an experience that took them from a self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. So they are bringing to task that combined experience. And lo and behold, nobody has been able to improve on the recovery program described in the very first edition. That's it. The first 164 pages have been left untouched. I mean... You know, think about it. Most textbooks get updated from time to time. People make new discoveries and they expand on the knowledge of different subject matter. But the first 164 pages, these pages that we study every day, they've been left untouched. Why is that? Why since 1939 have they been left untouched? Because nobody's been able to improve on the program of recovery. And this 12-step program This combined experience and knowledge that they offer us works as well now on, you know, Tuesday, September 4th, as it did in 1939. Of course, at the bottom here, it says, uh, at the last sentence, you know, our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others and how we may help meet their needs. Exactly. It's called self-preservation. Our very lives as ex-problem drinkers depend upon our constant thought of others. You know, this is self-preservation. This is self-preservation because if we neglect to carry this message, if we neglect those who are still sick, there's danger to our own lives and our own sanity. So it's under that compulsion it's under that motivation of self-preservation, responsibility, obligation, duty, love, and yes, it is a pleasure. But that's, a, that's our high mission is to, carry, is to carry the message. That's what's written in Tradition 5. 
you know, that is our primary purpose, to carry this message to the next suffering compulsive overeater. So it isn't a question of compulsive overeaters giving me anything. My stability, my stability comes out of trying to give, not out of demanding that I receive anything from anybody. This is a life and death matter. This program of recovery was life and death for me on January 19, 1987. It is still that way today. Self-preservation, love, responsibility, and pure joy. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Deb please read a vision for you? Good morning, a vision for you. Good morning. My name is Deb and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.